I am so glad we get to study together for the next few minutes, and I am glad that you're here. Sid prayed, I hope that uh, folks here weren't hurt too badly by the storms yesterday that passed through southeast. We've got a we've got a heart problem, and I don't I don't mean that in any kind of a pessimistic way, as if I'm judging all you folks this morning as having bad hearts. We human beings inherently, innately, have a heart problem. <clears throat> it's been that way for a long time. It's been that way as I read my Bible. It's been that way since Genesis three. We have a heart problem. This is an election year, and you and I are going to be bombarded by ads and television shows and TV personalities, and they're going to try to convince us that the future of our country depends on who is elected in November. I'll probably come back to this sometime this year. because I, w- I want to I remind us again and again that the future of this country doesn't depend on whom we put into the White House. If we want to change our country, it starts with hearts. You know? I'm not saying that doesn't influence hearts. I'm just saying we can so easily get off base and we can get confused about what really counts. And you can think about that nationally, globally, you can think about it in, in, in local sorts of things. Certainly, you can think about it with your family and with you individually, with our church corporately. We can think about what, what's going to determine how we live. What, what determines that is your innermost being. I, I don't think there's a more important thing to talk about than this. It doesn't mean that all the other stuff is irrelevant or that it doesn't matter. It just means... You and I can, sometimes we can buy into this sort of lie. I think it's a lie that says, man, if you fix all these other things, then everything's going to be fixed. You know, fix, fix that stuff out there, you know. And, and the way the Bible reads, the way we read this, certainly has to be that God is more concerned about getting a hold of your heart and the hearts of every person in this country and across the globe. He wants He wants hearts, and hearts are changed when hearts are submitted to the one who created them. That's why I believe what we're doing in the church, what you're doing as a part of this church is more important than what happens in Washington, D.C. or in any other population center in the country or political or power base or what what happens as a result of churches like this one who I believe are trying our best to live what God has called us to live, to live the Christian way, to to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of mercy and grace and love, that any church that's doing that has an incredibly important role to play in the future of the world. Because we're getting at what really matters. We're being used by God. God's doing the changing, of course, but we're being used by Him to make a difference in the hearts of people around us. This matters. It matters. And everybody in this room is struggling in one way or another, struggling in, in, in some way to live out what we know we ought to be living out, 
we're struggling with different sins, we're struggling with different kind of maybe some relationship problems or whatever is going on. We're struggling in certain ways. What we're going to talk about today, we're not going to try to fix, obviously, can't fix everything. We're not going to talk about everything that needs to be talked about about this subject. But over the course of 2020, I hope that you'll keep coming back and I hope that you'll listen uh, to, to, to Scripture because God works through His Word, works through, I believe, the preaching of the Word to help shape our hearts. And so we're going to come back to this theme throughout the year in helping us to focus on what really matters, that one thing. And it starts right here at the foundation. It starts with the heart. So our text is Proverbs 4. I hope you'll join me there. Near the end of the chapter, there's a lot going on in the chapter, but I'm really going to focus in on one, one particular verse, and that's verse 23. appreciate Darren's reading a couple of verses before it. There is in the, in the paragraph here, in fact, are you there with me? I hope you are. Look, look at it. I want to point out just a couple of things before we get to the main part of the text, but notice what he says in verse 20. Like, there's an emphasis on the different parts of your body. Some of it doesn't come through in translation here, but like verse 20, be attentive to my, to, to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. So your ears, verse 20, verse 21, let them not escape from your sight. Your eyes, keep them within your heart. Verse 22, their life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Just notice the emphasis on the human body here, your ears, your eyes, your flesh. Skip down to verse 24. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Your mouth, what you say. Verse 25, again, he comes to the eyes. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Verse 26, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You notice all of that? So, so he, talks about, he talks about listening your ears. He talks about seeing your eyes. He talks about all of your flesh. He talks about your speech, your mouth. Your eyes, again, verse 25. Your feet. So in essence, he says... From top to bottom, you need to be very vigilant about what your eyes see, what, about what your ears hear, about what, you, what your mouth says, about where your feet take you. So there's this emphasis on head to toe. You need to be very careful. But there's this Hebrew thing, this, this Hebrew way of teaching. And so often, you say, we've talked about this before, especially you got this in the Old Testament because it's a very Hebrew, Hebrew document very much of a Jewish document. And they had these certain ways of teaching. And, and one of those ways is where it talks about, it'll go from one thing to the next thing, and then it'll end with the last thing. So you've got, like, on the ends of it, you've got two, two bookends. And you go in, in a little bit closer, and you've got two other things. And depending on how much detail they go into, you might have a, a third level, right? So outer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And then this Hebrew way of teaching is you got the thing that's right in the middle. And what the writer is getting us to think about is, yeah, this stuff out here matters. But what he wants us to focus on is what's at the center here. And what's at the center here is verse 23. 
keep, what, if I may paraphrase them a bit. Yeah, I, I care about what you look at. I care about your ears. I care about your, uh, your feet. I care about your, your ears, your mouth, all of it, your, all your flesh. But here's what I want you to listen to very closely. Keep your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And so what he's saying, I'll come back to this again and again, but, but what he's saying is, you, what you listen to, verse 20, you listen to what you want to listen to because your heart determines that. What your eyes look at, 21 and 25, what your eyes see, your eyes look at where your heart tells your eyes to look. Where do your feet go? Your feet take you places where your heart tells your feet to take you. Verse 24, your, your mouth, what you say. Your mouth says what's in your heart. So verse 23, in this very Hebrew way of teaching, all this stuff, but he gets closer to what's at the center, if I may What's at the heart of it is the heart. That's what ultimately matters. And so, so God, God wants, your, wants you to be careful. Well, I'll talk about this a little bit today. He wants you to be careful about what you say. You've got, you got to read the Bible. Like that. God cares about your use of profanity or your use of gossip or your use of encouraging speech. God wants you to say certain things. He wants you to avoid saying other things. But that's not what, most, what God's mostly concerned about. God cares about where your feet take you. He cares about what you look at with your eyes. He cares about what you listen to with your ears. But what he mostly wants is he wants your heart, heart to be his. Because if he gets your heart, he gets the rest. He gets your feet, he gets your ears, he gets your eyes, and he gets your mouth. In fact, he gets your whole flesh. He gets it all. So to the extent that you and I are struggling this morning with some sort of sin problem, and we all are, one way or another, to the extent that we're doing that, it's because there's some corner of our hearts that God has not, we have not yet allowed God to take over as king. So for the next few minutes, let's look at Proverbs 4.23. Really what I want us to do is to focus on, uh, he outlines a text for us. So there are three things here. First of all, I'm, I'm kind of going to the center of this. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Let's talk about the heart for, for a minute. The way the heart is, you know, we use this, this word differently in, in America today. I would guess that if I ask you how heart is used, like how do we use heart, you would probably say that mostly we use the word heart to express like feelings. I love you with all of my heart. She really won my heart. He broke my what? Heart. Oh man, I am so sad. My heart is broken. It's your heart. You know, it's, this, it's the center of our emotions and feelings. And probably says something about our culture where we have taken the idea of the heart, and we have defined it almost exclusively by the emotion, by the feeling. You need to live in the way that your heart leads you. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. What do we mean by that? You need to follow your feelings. If you feel it, you need to do it. 
if, you, if, if, if this has got your emotions, if your emotions are leading you this way, then, hey, follow your emotions. It's kind of the way our culture has decided to live in a lot of ways. In the Bible, though, the word heart is not used like that. And in fact, there's no real good definition of it. No really good definition because the word heart is, is good, but only if you understand what the Bible means by heart. And it doesn't mean emotions exclusively. Sometimes you could translate it, and sometimes it is translated with the word mind. It's a pretty good translation, but mind is almost, I mean, I guess the way I would use mind is I would, I would be thinking mostly about intellect, what you think. That's part of it. That's not all of it. <coughs> I think there are three things. And if you look at the way the word heart is used in the Bible from beginning to end, you're going to notice three consistent things that are mentioned, that are implied in the use of the word heart. Those three things are, listen to this, because I hope you'll remember this part. It has to do with your will, okay? Your will, what you intend to do, what you want to do. Your, we might say our priorities, how we rank stuff. How we prioritize, how we order our lives. That's oftentimes the word heart is used in that way. Your, your will, your intentions. That's, all this is kind of one idea here. You see this? So when the Bible talks about heart, a lot of times, in, in fact, most of the time, it's going to be talking in some way about your desires, your, your wants, your will, your intentions. Second thing has to do with what you think, your thoughts. So your will, your thoughts. So there's an intellectual component. This is what you think about. This is, this is your, what we would call your mind. And so this would be those places where it's translated mind. God wants your mind. He, he does want your mind. Religion is not just a thing of the feelings. It's not just about experiences. It, it is that, but it's more than that. It's about what you think. It's about what goes in your mind. Here's the third one. It is feelings. It's feelings. I don't want to say bad stuff about feelings. God gave them to us, and I think they matter to God, and I don't think there's a bad, there's, there's something inherently wrong with emotions, feelings, and experiences. In fact, a lot of times the word heart uses to, to denote or connote those kinds of ideas. How you feel, emotions. God, well, you remember, uh, Matthew 22, what's the great commandment of the law? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your what? Remember? Oh, man, all this is really, all this is heart, the way the Bible defines heart. But it says, love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Matthew doesn't use all four of those. He uses three of them. But if you look in Mark's account, you'll, you'll notice four things. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. God wants, God wants it all. Your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there's emotional, there's volitional, what you want to do, there is intellectual, what you think about, what your mind focuses on, all these, these aspects here. And so God wants your heart. What, what the Bible is saying is you need to protect, you need to really focus on your volitional, your will, your, your intent, all right? what you intend to do, priorities, what you, your desires. You need to focus on what you think about, your mind. You need to focus on what you feel. God does care about your feelings. Sometimes your feelings are going to help you a lot. Sometimes your feelings are going to be very, uh, they're, just, they're, not, they're not always going to lead you to the right place. 
But when the Proverbs writer uses this in Proverbs 4.23, what he's saying, keep your heart. He's talking about all that. And that's why I used, and, and Donnie mentioned this as well, uh, that's why I use that expression, innermost being. So if, if, if I were trying to define for you in just a couple of English words, I think what he's saying here is keep your innermost being, who you are at your deepest level. That's your heart. Not the superficial feelings. They're flighty sometimes. Not just your intellect. He wants you on the inside. He wants you on the inside. Keep your heart. Let's back up then as far as the text goes and let's focus on the word, the verb here, the imperative here. Keep your heart with all vigilance. Keep it with vigilance. Uh, you, you may have a different translation. You may have, a, in fact, I, I, I kind of like the other translation better than this one. Uh, you may have a translation that uses the word guard, do you? Some of you have guard there? That's probably a little bit better, I think. Keep, well, keep means the same thing, but it's not quite as strong as the word guard because this word means to protect with all vigilance. Guard it. Sometimes we focus on, on the wrong stuff. Sometimes we focus on, um, on, on the outward rather than the inward. I want to be very careful how I say what I'm about to say because I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to act like this is unimportant. I just, I just want us to prioritize things. In Christianity, sometimes we focus on, on the external more than we do the internal. In conservative churches like this one, there can be an emphasis on rules and regulations. Don't do this. Do that. I grew up with a pretty long list of rules. And I don't think those rules are bad, by the way. But we can emphasize rules and regulations over the underlying most important thing, and that is your heart. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I wonder how many of you in here grew up in a church environment where you had a whole lot of rules about dancing, kind of clothing you wear, kind of habits you practice. There are a lot of things on those lists, right? By the way, rules aren't bad. Rules aren't bad. They're, they're, they're like safeguards. They're, they're, they're these barriers that, that, that protect some things. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Only that when we divorce the rule and the regulation from what God's really concerned about, we miss the point. I think it's a very Pharisaical thing to do. In fact, and, and, and I think that's what Jesus kind of got onto the Pharisees about a lot. They had all sorts of rules. They had hundreds of rules. Last, was it last week we talked about? Yeah. Last Sunday we talked about the Sabbath day. Remember that? We talked about it briefly at the end. Sabbath day, the disciples were picking grain on the Sabbath. The Pharisees got all upset about that. And, um, and Jesus said, you misunderstand the point of the Sabbath rule. 
Sabbath rule doesn't keep people from eating when they're hungry. People are more important than the Sabbath rule. So why are you getting stressed out about the Sabbath rule when God didn't create the Sabbath rule to keep disciples who are walking through a cornfield or a grain field from picking corn? That's not the point of the rule. And when you honor the rule over the person, you're missing the point of it. You're missing the point of it. I'm Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus says. So a very pharisaical thing to do is to create a bunch of rules and then forget that what God really wants is your heart. And when he gets your heart, then, then, then the barriers are honored. And it's less about, less about rules and regulations and more about, Lord, I love you so much. I want to do what you created me to do. I want to honor you in my life and my words and my actions. I want to, I just want to, I want to, I want to do it all your way, you know? One of the things about raising kids, you know, I think, I think it is, this is oversimplification of it, because I know it's a very complex thing, but one of the things about raising kids, you got to establish very clearly defined rules as a mom or a dad, right? you got to. I, I, I don't think you can say to a two-year-old, uh, it's your choice about walking out into the street or not without us. You can do that if you want. I would prefer that you not do that, because it doesn't really bring me honor. Right? Say that to a three-year-old. Right? Doesn't, doesn't work very well. So you, you create rules. You create rules and barriers for your, for your son or your daughter. But hopefully, by the time that child is 16 or 18, by the time that child goes out on his or her own, there's been this development and this, this process of, of maturation where he or she has grown to the, to the point where as the child has grown and matured, it becomes less about rules and more about relationship, less about the, the regulations, and more about their love and their hearts. You know, that's the goal in parenting, is that as they develop in maturity, it is less about all of these different externals and more freedom, you know? I think maybe there's a spiritual point here. Rules and regulations. I'm not saying, please don't, I want to make sure this is very clear. The Bible has rules and regulations in it, and that's not a bad word. Those aren't bad words. You read through the, it's not just the Old Testament thing either, by the way. Old Testament has a lot, but New Testament has a lot too. A lot of things in the New Testament. God says, don't do this. You know, don't lie. Don't use profane speech. Don't fill your mind with garbage. There are a lot of rules. Nothing wrong with that. But there's this underlying emphasis. God is mostly concerned about your heart. Not because he doesn't care about the external, but because he knows if he gets the internal, he gets the rest. So we're talking about, we're talking about heart, and we're talking about protecting it, about guarding it. God is very concerned about your guarding your heart. And so when we talk about things like, what do you fill your mind with? What kind of movies do you watch? What do you look at on the internet? How much time do you spend on, on um, social media? On Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat? How much time do we spend on that? What are we consuming? It doesn't become so much about, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this limitation. Maybe, maybe you do set this. Nothing wrong with setting. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend more than an hour a day Whatever. I'm not going to spend more than 30 minutes a day. I'm not going to spend more than X number of minutes a day on social media, on Netflix, on Hulu, or whatever. 
Nothing wrong with setting those kinds of barriers. But the reason you're doing that, the, the reason you're doing that is because, is because what? You're protecting your heart. It's not about some external regulation or rule. It's about what's, what's on the inside. And so we understand that we want to guard our hearts. And as parents, we want to guard the hearts of our children. We'll talk about that later on this year. But it's, it's about the reason we're doing this. The reason we set up barriers is because we want our hearts to be filled with the love of God. We don't lose sight of that. Very, very important purpose. Here's why. I kind of got ahead of myself talking about this. But this is, this is the end of it. And this is where the text was going. You need to, your heart's very important. You need to protect it with all vigilance. Why do you need to do this? Because from it flow the springs of life. From it flow the springs of life. This is water talk. Springs of life, the rivers of life. In fact, <clears throat> listen to this. All right, just for a second. Listen to this. John 7. Jesus stands up on the last day of a very important Jewish feast of his day, a day on which they prayed for God to send the rains so that the crops would grow. But he says this, and against that backdrop of emphasis on water and uh, rain, he says this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That sounds very familiar to our text, doesn't it? Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you believe in Christ, as the scripture says, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Flowing water. Water that's going somewhere, that's doing something good. Verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus is saying, he's taking the same language and he's saying, you need to trust in Christ so that what flows out of you is the Spirit. That's Jesus, not me. I'm not saying that. Jesus is saying that. What flows out of you, if we may combine Proverbs 4 with what Jesus says in John 7 when he gives an inspired interpretation of it, he is saying that the reason you need to focus on your heart is because what you want to flow out of your heart is you want, to flow, you want, you want those things to flow to be spirit things. Fruit of the Spirit, if I may paraphrase that just a bit, Galatians 5.22, the springs of the Spirit, the river of the Spirit. What comes when the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart, the river that's going to flow out of your life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, and endurance. You know, fruit of the Spirit. That's what's going to happen. And so we need to focus on our heart. We need to protect it with all vigilance because out of it flow the springs of life, which Jesus said ought to be the Spirit of God. In Matthew 15... Uh, 10 through 20. I won't read all these uh, 10 or 11 verses here. I want to read the last, uh, let me read the last three verses. Listen to this closely. Matthew 15, verse 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from, you may remember this text, from the heart. He says it's not about what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but rather what comes out of your mouth comes out of your mouth because of your heart. 
And this defiles a person, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. He is saying that once the Spirit of God lives in your heart, then the Spirit is going to produce good stuff. But if the Spirit isn't there, if it's garbage in your heart, then your heart's going to produce garbage. If you believe in Christ, you submit your life to Christ, the Spirit will live in your heart by faith and the Spirit's going to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. Because that's what the Spirit, that's what the Spirit does. That's what He always does. So, you already know this, but let me just go ahead and say it. If you and I are struggling with anger toward a spouse, if we are struggling with impatience toward our children, if we have bitterness toward mom or dad, if we are succumbing to sexual temptation and looking at pornography, if our words are being used to spread gossip about other people in the church or in the workplace, if out of our mouth flow words of profanity, if we degrade the people around us, you know what the problem is? We've got a heart problem. So we can set some rules and regulations, and there's a time and a place for that. It's a good thing for that. But we need to remember the ultimate problem, as I understand Jesus is, that we have not yet, or at least in that moment, we are not at that moment allowing the Spirit of God to control our hearts. So we need to protect our hearts with all vigilance, for from it, from that heart, flow the springs of life. And so all of those things, you know, if you're struggling this morning with anxiety, with guilt, with anger, with bitterness, with lust, with greed with the accumulation of material things, and we're thinking that if we can get this all right, then I'll, then I'll feel fulfilled. I will feel happy and content or whatever. We don't understand. We don't understand. The reason we feel a lack of contentedness, lack of contentment, the reason is because we're not allowing the Spirit of God to fill that hole in our hearts. Only He can fill it. Protect your heart. We're going to you know, talk about it a lot this year. Our prayer, and I appreciate Kyle leading this song as the invitation song in just a minute. Let me go ahead and say this. If you're, if you're not a Christian, you want to become one today, give a God, God your heart. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to become, get your name on a church roll. It's not about that. He wants your heart. It's a big thing. It's a big thing to give him your heart. I don't want to, be naive and say it's not a big thing. It is a big thing. I think some people don't take it seriously enough, you know. If you, give, if, you, if you become a Christian, what you're saying to him is, Lord, you can have all of my heart. That's what you're saying. My intent, my intellect, my emotion. It's all yours. It's all yours. If you're ready to do that today, you demonstrate that publicly in baptism as he washes all of your sins away by his blood. If you've done that, but you haven't lived as a child ought to have lived, it's, you know, it's a heart thing. Maybe you need to come back to say, today and say, Lord, uh, my heart has been distracted lately, and, and I want, once again, for it to be yours and exclusively yours. So in just a minute, we're going to sing.
a song. And this is going to be our prayer, a song that is a prayer. And it's taken from Psalm 51, 10 through 12. This is our prayer today and forever, I hope. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Let's stand and sing this song.